take our seats here. We'll begin. I'm just getting over a cold, so if I sound uh, congested, I am. <laughs> if I start to pass out, Dan can come up here and lead us in a song. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. You know, one of the things I like so much about this church is I was just uh, downstairs getting a couple glasses of water in case they needed both of them. And uh, Eddie Courier was down there, and uh, Dan Roca was down there. And then right away, it's like, hey, can we pray for you before you go up there? Can you pray for you? And it's just so nice because oftentimes the pastors will pray for each other or the, or the deacons will pray you know, for the pastors, but it's so nice that the church is a church of people who pray. And so I'm just down there just getting a cup of water, and Eddie's down there, and Dan's down there. It's like, hey, let's pray for you before you go up and preach. And uh, just, I was just so encouraged about that. That was so, that was so good. So tomorrow is New Year's Eve, and this is kind of a natural time that we kind of reflect on the past, and we look to the, look to the future. And I guess usually it's probably more of a time looking to the future, right? We probably don't reflect on the past too much. But what did you do with your time this past year? How did you spend your time this past year? And were you satisfied with how you passed it? Were you proud of the things that you got accomplished this past year? Or was that little nagging doubt behind you that you probably wasted a lot of time this last year, that you missed a lot of opportunities, and that if you could go back to some of those things, you would definitely go back and uh, do those things again. I know sometimes when I look and I'm faced with one of these things where I want to go back and I want to look at the past, lots of times I go back and, you know, I, I feel that, you know, wasted opportunity kind of thing. And so this past week, I uh, got an old computer out, and there was a file on there that I knew was on there, so I got this computer out. And when I was looking at the computer, and I found the file, and we found a bunch of other stories that Annie had written, you know, eight years ago, and, you know, this kind of stuff. We were kind of going through and, and having a fun time doing it. But I saw a weight chart out there. So in 2004, I decided, I'm going to lose weight. And so I took the time, I had a goal, I had a chart, and I started charting my weight every single day, every single day. And so, coincidentally, I had just weighed myself that very morning that I had gotten the computer up. Eight years later, I weighed the exact weight to the pound that I did eight years ago. And I'm thinking, did I use that time wisely? Did I make the most of every opportunity that I had to do that? And the answer was no, I wasted eight years as far as diet and exercise goes. And I have the proof that's on a computer from 2000. And four. And you know, lots of times we, you know, during this time, this New Year's, New Year's time, right, we look at that. And lots of times we look to the future, too, and we make New Year's resolutions. And these are the times that we're going to lose weight. These are the times when we decide we're going to, you know, join the gym. We're going to lose the weight. We're going to exercise every day. We're going to, you know, eat right. We're going to pay off those credit cards. We're going to do all these things. And uh, we decide that we're going to use our time better. And those are all good things. And this morning what we want to do, though, is we want to look at how does God want us to use our time? Because we can kind of just get into the whole New Year's Eve thing where we look at the past and look to the future. So open up your Bibles. We have an overhead for this. This is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17.
Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17 says this. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to have a goal in sight if we're going to be effective with our time. No one shoots an arrow without having a target in front of us. No one runs a race without knowing where the finish line is. And no one will use their time effectively without having a goal in sight. And so uh, our goal that Scripture tells us is this. Make the most of every opportunity by looking carefully how you walk by understanding the will of the Lord, and by having an eternal perspective. So those are our four points for this morning that we're going to look at. So I just want to pray before we start. Father God, we come before you now, Lord, and we seek to know how you want us to use our time. Lord, we're all given the same amount of time, and there seems that there's some who use it to better use than what we do. And there seems to be many who do more than what we do, Lord. Sometimes they're good things, and sometimes they're just uh, working for earthly things. But, Lord, we want to know how to use our time to earn treasures in heaven, to use our time the way that you would want us to use it, Lord. And so I pray this morning that you'll be uh, with us, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will teach this, that you will teach it, Lord, to us. In your name we pray. Amen. So I want to start with the idea of having an eternal perspective. Because if we're truly going to make the most of every opportunity that we have, we need to have this eternal perspective. If we don't have an eternal perspective, we get caught up in this daily grind of just day-to-day living. And Paul, in this letter of Ephesians, begins Ephesians looking at this eternal perspective. And he talks about it in chapter 1, and he talks about it in, in chapter 2. And so we have an overhead Uh, as well for this. And these are just a couple of verses that are in the beginning of this letter where Paul is talking about this. And so he says this. He says, He chose us in Him before, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. See, God works from this eternal perspective. And he says he chose us before the foundation of the world. And he created us to do good works beforehand. Beforehand, he's already created us to do good works. And there's a plan for the fullness of time to unite everything together. See, the gospel began with this eternal perspective. Before, it was, before the world was ever created, the gospel was put into place where Christ would save us. And so it's this whole eternal perspective uh, there we go through. So in the gospel, the pinnacle was Christ's death on the, on the cross. 
But even then, God's looking to eternity, and we will spend eternity with him in heaven. And it's this eternal perspective that I just want us to understand. And see, when Jesus was on earth, he looked for this, pers- this eternal perspective as well. And during the hardest time of his time on earth, he was on the cross. And so um, if any time that you would you know, think that he would be caught up in the stuff that's going on with the pain of the cross and anything else you would think that was, and yet he's still looking for that eternal perspective. And so in Hebrews, when the writer of Hebrews is reflecting on this time that Christ is on the cross, he says this. He says, for the joy, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the pain, and he's now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So even in that midst of that cross, Christ is looking to the future. He has this eternal perspective. And for the joy that's set before him, he endures the cross. He despises the shame. He stays there because of that eternal perspective. And so if we want to use our time effectively, the way that God wants us to use our time, we have to have this eternal perspective perspective as well. Point number two, in verse 15, he says this, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So uh, the point is that we need to look carefully how we walk. So when Paul uses the word walk, he's using it to talk about our behavior, and it's the way we conduct ourselves. So one of the commentaries says this, so the Greek word carries the idea of precision and accuracy. See that you walk carefully with exactness is the meaning. The opposite would be walking carelessly and without proper guidance and forethought. We cannot leave the Christian life to chance. We must make wise decisions and seek to do the will of God. So here Paul is telling us, pay close attention to your walk. Look at your walk. Think about it. Be wise about it so that you will know what it is that you are to do. And this teaching is found throughout the scripture. In Colossians, he puts it this way. He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And then in 1 Timothy, Paul, as a mentor, talking to Timothy, tells him, Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so we must walk carefully, not carelessly, not thoughtlessly, but as wise people. John Stott says this, Everything worth doing requires care. We will all take trouble over the things which seem to us to matter. Our job, our education, our home, our family, our hobbies, our dress, our appearance. So as Christians, we must take trouble over our Christian life. We must treat it as the serious thing that it is. So I ask you, how close do you watch yourself? Do you take the time to examine what you do with your time? Do you take trouble over your Christian life? Do you treat it as the serious thing that it is? Or do you just walk foolishly? And don't bother to look. Don't bother to take it seriously. We must watch how we walk. Point number three. 
We must make the most of every opportunity. Verse 16, Paul goes on further. He says, we must make the best use of our time because the days are evil. The phrase making the best use of the time has been translated in several different ways. And so here in the ESV, it says making the best use of the time. In the King James, it says redeeming the time. In the New International Version, it says making the most of every opportunity. And so that thought, redeeming the time, has to, is the thought that you buy something back. You find something of value and you buy it back. And so one commentary says it's the idea of a merchant who, knowing the value of an article uh, and the goods that it is, that he can put it up, he buys it. And he uses this illustration of, he says, if there's a guy who's very, very wealthy, he's got this big estate, and he's on his estate, and someone goes in to murder him, and he gives him his money, he realizes which is more important, his money or his life, and he gives him the money to the guy who would murder him, he says he's now redeemed his life. He's given him the money and he's taken it back. And it's that idea of buying something back that's of great, that's of great value. My, uh, my favorite uh, way is the way that the NIV puts it. Because the NIV says, making the most of every opportunity. And for me, this gives a kind of a sense of concreteness, making the most use of every opportunity. Because it seems like it should be something that we do continually. So if I hear, if I hear the phrase redeeming the time, or if I hear uh, uh, the way the other one uh, writes it, making the best use of time, somehow maybe it's just the way I'm, I'm wired, but it just seems too vague to me. And it just seems like, oh yeah, I'll kind of try harder. And, you know, just make, you know, the time and, and stuff. And it just seems like, well, that could be a month, it could be a year, it could be a lifetime. And if we have that much time, lots of times we don't do anything. Um, but if I say to myself, I'm going to make the most use of every opportunity. And if I'm in the car with my daughter on the way to breakfast on a Friday morning, and I say, I'm going to make the most use of this opportunity. It gives me a sense of the presence. It gives me a sense that I need to do this right now, in the next five minutes, because an hour from now, this opportunity will be gone forever. This breakfast will be over forever. And if I don't make the most of that opportunity, it will be gone forever. So I just love the way that's phrased. Because he then goes on and says, the days are evil. The days are fleeting. Anyone who has children understand how fast time goes. Anybody who has grandchildren can probably write a book about how fast, how fast the time goes. But you see, everything that we do, we do now. Everything that we do, we do in the present. We don't do things in the future. We don't do things in the past. We do things right now. Even when we're planning for the future, we will plan right now. And so we need to have that sense of opportunity, or that sense that I'm going to make the most of this opportunity right now, and that these things can't wait until tomorrow. J.C. Rowell, one of my favorites, says this. He says, tomorrow is the devil's day, but today is God's day. Satan cares not how spiritual your attentions may be and how holy your resolutions if they are only fixed for tomorrow. Give not the place to the devil in this matter. Answer him, no, Satan. It shall be today. It shall be today. 
I mean, that if we just put things off and we put things off, Satan is totally happy. Oh, I'm going to read my Bible tomorrow. I'm going to, you know, pray tomorrow. I'm going to fast tomorrow. I'm going to do whatever. But if you don't ever do it, it doesn't, Satan doesn't care. As long as you don't say, today, I'm going to read my Bible. Today, I'm going to memorize a Bible verse. Today, I'm going to call someone and encourage them and build them up. And see, we need to realize that things that only seem uh, to last for a few moments last for an eternity, right? And so we can see this so many times in evil things. A car accident only lasts a second, but the scars last a lifetime. And so these good things are the same way, but we don't always see the good things right away. But a kind word spoken at the right time may have eternal blessings. A warning given at a right time may save someone years of heartaches. And a compassionate, gentle, non-judging shoulder to cry on at the right time may very well save someone's life may very well save someone's soul. And so we need to understand that we need to make the most use of every opportunity now. Jesus Christ made the most of every opportunity. And while he was talking with his disciples, he says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's John 9, 4. Point number four, we need to understand the will of the Lord. Verse 17 is clear. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understanding the will of the Lord should be our driving force. This should be the compass that steers us to the North Pole. This should be the island that we see and we go to when we are adrift in the ocean. Because if we are ever to be wise people and not to be foolish people, then we need to know what God wants us to do. We need to know how God wants us to live. So when he says understanding the will of the Lord, what does it mean to understand the will of the Lord? Does it mean that we're going to know everything that God knows? Does it mean that we'll always know or we'll know what God wants us to do in every single situation? The answer is no. It's obviously no. We're only human, right? And we're never going to know fully. We're never going to know always. We're never going to know all the details about every single situation. And sometimes it even seems like in the majority of the situations, we don't quite know what it is that God is doing. We know in the big picture that all things work together for those who love God. But lots of times in these little details, we don't quite understand fully what God's will is in it. And that's where faith comes we know that God's will is in there. So understanding the will of God isn't understanding everything that God is going to do. Theologian says that there's two different wills or two different ways that we understand God's will. That's called his general will and his particular will. And so his general will is what we find in the Bible. This is his general will. It's for everyone. We can find what God wants us to do right there. When they talk about his particular will, it's, it's that peace 
in our own situations where does God want me to take this job or that job? Does God want me to live here or does God want me to live there? And these are these decisions that affect our specific life. So we have an overhead for this one right here. This is uh, by a guy named John Stott again. And it's talking about uh, the will. He says this, he says, his general will is found in the scripture. The will of God for the people of God has been revealed in the word of God. But we shall not find his particular will in the scripture. To be sure, we will find general principles in the scripture to guide us, but detailed decisions have to be made after careful thought and prayer and the seeking of advice for mature and experienced believers. So in other words, to know his particular will, we need to know his general will. We need to know the Bible if we're going to know what his particular will is. And then through prayer and through thinking things through and through seeking advice, we can apply this to our lives. And by applying it to our lives, we can then make the most of every opportunity. So what are some general will, some general will of God where we can say this is the will of God? We know that it's God's will that we are saved. That we become holy. That we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our soul. That we love our neighbor as ourselves. We know it's God's will that his name be glorified in our lives. We know it's God's will that we're part of a body of Christ. And so that we can help other people as well. And so our will in helping other people should be the same thing. That they are saved. That they become holy. That they love God. That they love others. That God's name is glorified in their lives. My, one of my absolute favorite verses in the Bible is Colossians 1.28. And it says it so well. It says this. It says, Him we proclaim, meaning Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. This is God's will for us to be mature in Christ. And so based on this, Paul's saying understanding the will of God will help us to make the most of every opportunity. And so... Um, Understanding the will of God. <laughs> this is where that cold part's <laughs> kicking in. Because <laughs> I'm trying to read and I'm trying to think. I'm like, what I'm saying isn't what I'm reading, and it's not what I'm thinking. And so anyway, all right, so we're going to skip. There's like three lines. i got no clue what they mean. I'm going to go on from there. <laughs> Hang with me. I'm doing the best I can, okay? It's been a, it's been a long week. <laughs> uh, I think this is just a summary at this point, then we're moving on anyway. So here's what it is. Here's the summary. What's going to matter for eternity is what you do for the kingdom of God. We're oftentimes too short-sighted when we think of our time. And we only think of the moment. I'm bored. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Or I just want this day to be over. I just want to watch TV and then just go to bed. Or sometimes... We don't think we're sore-sighted. We think we're far-sighted, but we're far-sighted as far as the earthly thing goes and not the eternal perspective, right? So we can't wait till the weekend. We can't wait till we can retire. We hope that our 401k is big enough so that we can retire. And so too often we forget eternity. And it doesn't come into our thoughts on this day-to-day -day basis. 
And God is saying to make the most use of every opportunity, understand my will. And you're only here for a short time. His will is that we're with him in eternity. And that's what's going to matter, what we do for the kingdom of God and what we do for eternity. So I want to spend the next uh, few minutes just on how we apply this to our lives. And what I thought we'd do is just look at some of the spiritual gifts and then just some of the stuff that we do just kind of like a day-to-day basis. So evangelism. We are all called to evangelize. Every one of us. You cannot read the Bible and understand it any other way. We are to tell others about Christ. But it seems like we all know some people who we say have the gift of evangelism. And it just seems to come natural to them. And it just seems like they're very, very effective at it. And um, how does someone like this, either someone who, who is particularly gifted in that or ourselves, make the most use of every opportunity when it comes to evangelism? And this is that they will and we will intentionally steer the conversation to the gospel. It's a thinking through. It's a watching closely. It's a making most. So they steer the conversation to it. They're on the lookout for people to speak to. And when they sit on an airplane or in a, in a waiting room or anywhere at all, and they strike up a conversation, they see these as divine appointments that God has made beforehand. These are one of these good works that God has uh, made beforehand for them to work in. And if they're there... If they're in those situations and they miss that opportunity or they don't take that opportunity, they're silent for some reason, they chide themselves. They feel the weight of missing that opportunity, of not saying anything. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was one of the greatest uh, preachers ever. He preached in the 1800s. His sermons were sent like around the world. They would print out his sermons. They would send him in England. They would send him like to like, you know, in America, like the Wild West, and they would take him and they would read him. His sermons are still being written today. And the Logos Bible software has just now in January issued a rethink of every single one of his sermons that's in like a commentary form in 63 volumes of his sermons. And so he would get out there and he'd preach and he would be very, very effective. And um, um, he, <laughs> this is the cold again. I don't know. I have no idea why I told you all that background information. That's got, it's not in the notes. It's got, it's got nothing. At all. He's one of my favorites. So I just started talking to him. That's not even what I was going to tell you. Here's what I was going to tell you. In his church, he had a guy and I tried to find out what he exactly he called them, but I couldn't, I don't know what he called them. I think he called them like his hound dog, but I'm not positive. I tried to find it and couldn't. What it was, was he had a guy who had made the most of every opportunity. And so during the sermon and afterwards, he would look at all the different people and he would try to see which ones were affected by sermons, by Spurgeon's preaching. And afterwards, he would make a beeline to them, anybody who seemed to be affected, and he would talk about it. He would, he would bring it up and he would start talking about the sermon. That was a guy who made the most use of every opportunity. Um, gift of hospitality. If you look around this room right now and all the Christmas decorations that are up, you see evidence of the gift of hospitality. 
A person with this gift takes every single opportunity to make a room feel warm and inviting, to make you feel like you want to be there. They take these opportunities to make people feel welcome, to make them feel special, to know that they are loved. And they always take extra care when they're getting ready for anything. I know lots of times um, people will tease them and say that they're you know, perfectionists and that things aren't just being done, but they're being overdone. But this isn't the case at all. This is the case where people understand the impact of a moment. They understand the impact that just a few minutes or an hour will have and that these end up becoming eternal value. And they understand that this thing might be only here for a couple of hours or a couple of days or a couple of weeks, but the impact will have an eternal impact. The gift of giving. There are people who take every chance they have to give. And they make the most use of these opportunities. They give on Sunday mornings. They give to missions. They give to people who need things, who are in need. There are sometimes when big projects come up at the church, and the church needs money to do some big, big project that one person can't possibly give. And they see these, and they look to starting a capital fund or capital capital project fund, I think is the correct term, a capital project fund. But anyway, it's just a big way to raise money. And they try to get people on board, and they try to get them to give extra, that they make the most of opportunity. But these are the ones who see that, and they're like, you know what, if we got everyone just to give this, we could do whatever project it is that we need to do. And their heart is just to give and to give, and their heart is just to get other people to give. And so they make the most of these opportunities. These are ones who set aside something so they have to give to other people. And they do not do this for recognition. Most of the time, you don't even know who these people are. But they make the most use of every opportunity to give that they are able to. What about praying for people? You know, some people seem to have this power in prayer. And we call them prayer warriors. And we go to them when we want someone to pray for us. There's several people in my life that are like that. And I'll call or email or text, whenever anything is big is coming up. And lots of times I'll go to them before I even go to God himself because I want them praying for me. And these are ones who make the most use of those opportunities. And they do this by praying, spending much time in solitary prayer. Oftentimes they'll fast in prayer. But if you ever have a prayer request, they will pray with you instantly. I remember uh, Mickey and I had just gotten married and uh, we were in Minnesota going to the church that I had grown up in, that my folks had grown up in. And there was an older guy who was known as a prayer warrior. And at this point, he was housebound. And so I called him up on the phone, and I had some prayer request. I, I don't remember what it was at this point. And I asked him, hey, can you pray for me? And he said, okay, let's pray right now. And I'm like, what? He's like, on the phone. I'm like, can you even do that? <laughs> like, can you even pray on the phone? And he's like, yeah, he's it was like that. I thought I would just, you know, deliver the message and go. He was like, no, we'll pray right now. And he prayed on the, and he just prayed right there on the phone. But he's the kind of guy who makes the most of every opportunity. He doesn't let us go. If you ask for prayer, he's making the most. We're going to pray. Right now, we're going to go ahead and pray. So, obviously, we can't cover everything. But just on a normal day-to-day -day basis, all the gifts are designed to build up the body. 
That's what the gifts are designed for, is to build each other up. And so we can make the most use of these opportunities any way that we can build each other up. So if you can give comfort to someone, give comfort to someone right away. Don't delay. If you can encourage someone, encourage someone right away. Don't delay. If you can help them in any way, then help them right away. Don't delay. That's how we make the most use of every opportunity. The focus on this message is the gospel for real life time. We haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about the gospel. The gospel says that if you're a sinner, you're guilty and you cannot deny it. And if you don't understand the will of the Lord, then you will spend eternity in hell. Jesus Christ died on the cross to take your guilt and to give you his righteousness. The will of God is that you believe in Christ and that you are saved. So how does this gospel relate to our use of time? And there's many ways, but I just want to point out two specific ways. One of them is by example. If we look to Christ, example, we follow him, um, we see that Christ obeyed the law completely. And so when it comes to this passage, this verse, he obeyed this completely. This says, look carefully how you walk. Make the best use of your time. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Jesus Christ did this, and he made the most use of every opportunity. And we kind of looked at it before, during his suffering on the cross, during his dying. But not only that, um, um, but he preached the word constantly. He healed people. He helped other people. People. He rejoiced with those who rejoiced. He wept with those who wept. He made the use, the most use of every opportunity. So just that weeping, just being with that person. Just that rejoicing, just being with that person. Christ did this. And so one of the ways is simply by example. Now we don't do this by example as just like there's no substance to it, we're just following it. But the gospel enables us to do that. Because we are now Christians saved by the gospel, we can follow Christ's example. But the other way that I want to talk about is applying the gospel to our lives. Because we will be called to account, to give an account of every single thing that we have said, every single thing that we have done, every single use, every single minute, we have to give an account to God because of it. So young people, how much time do you spend surfing the internet? How much time do you spend playing video games? How much time do you spend watching TV? Now these aren't bad, and I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying how much time do you spend on those things? And now how much time do you spend reading your Bible and praying, memorizing uh, scripture, witnessing, talking about spiritual things with your friends? You know, young people feel that they have all the time in the world, like there's an endless supply of tomorrows. And that today really isn't that important because there's all this time in front of us. But that's not the case at all. And God is saying, make the most use of every opportunity that you are given. And adults, we ask you the exact same question. How do you use your time? How much time do you spend surfing the internet, watching TV, wasting time? 
How much time do you spend reading your Bible, praying, memorizing Scripture, witnessing, talking about spiritual things with your friends? If we evaluate our lives, if everyone here would sit down and think about how we spend our time, we would find ourselves falling painfully short. Everyone here would fail. There's no one who could live up to this standard at all. And when we review our time, this is what we're faced with. And so this is how we apply the gospel. Does God forgive you for your sins? If you confess your sin, is he faithful and is he just to forgive your sin? And the answer, absolutely hands down, is yes. This is what the gospel is, that Jesus Christ died to forgive your sins. And so we want to apply this to the, thing of te- uh, to the um, idea of how we use our time because we want this eternal perspective, but we don't always have it. We want to make the most use of our time but we don't always do it. We want to watch our walk closely, but we don't. We want to understand and follow the will of the Lord, but we don't always do it. And the gospel comes in and says, I forgive you. I forgive you. I love you. I see that you failed. If you confess your sins, I am faithful, and I am just to forgive you for your sins. We might look back now at this point when we're looking and we might think that there's lots of times that we have wasted our time and that there's much stuff in our youth that we still feel the sting of. We might feel that we've wasted much time or we might feel that there's just not much left time, much not much time left. If you feel like you've blown it and you've wasted most of your time, can you still redeem the time that you have left? Of course you can. God forgives you. And as long as you are alive, there is time to redeem the time. This message is for for today. And there is time to exercise your spiritual gifts. There is much time to build up the body. There is much time for reading, for praying, for meditating. So today, and the band can come up, today, make the best use of your time. Today, look carefully how you walk. Today, understand God's will. Today, look at life with an eternal perspective. Father God, we come before you now, Lord, as people who have wasted much time. Lord, we are people who have squandered much time. We have thrown it away. We come before you as people, Lord, who have many regrets about our use of time, things that we did when we were young that we wish we wouldn't have, things that we did yesterday that we wish we wouldn't have done, Lord. And your gospel comes in, Lord, and you say, I forgive you. I forgive you for wasting time. I forgive you for throwing it away. I forgive you for your sins. And Lord, how can we possibly say thank you for that? Lord, I just pray that that will just fill our hearts, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will fill our hearts so we understand the gospel and the use of time.
And now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll give us this eternal perspective so we may make the most uh, use of every opportunity that you are given us. I pray that you help us to watch our walk. I pray that you help us to understand your will. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to understand the eternity and the eternal consequences that are found in a minute. Lord, so that when that minute comes, we make the most of that opportunity, Lord, so that we and others will have eternal um, blessings, eternal glory, eternal rewards for what we do in a single minute, Lord. Let us have that perspective always, oh Lord. Please, Lord, just, just be with us. Holy Spirit, I just, I just beg you now that this will make an impact on our life, Lord, so that we go out as people who make the most of every opportunity, understanding your will. In your name we pray, amen.